Hello and welcome to Move Forth with Grace. I am so glad that you are here to immerse yourself into God's Word and to open your heart to His lessons today so that the wisdom of God can move through you and into the lives of those around you and continue in generations to come. Welcome. Today's podcast is brought to you by Neverbands. These are medical freedom bracelets I created for adults and children. I teamed with a medical ID company in Texas so that you can equip yourself and your family against the unethical enforcement of the experimental COVID-19 injection. By wearing these, we can band together to preserve freedom. Get yours today at www.neverbands.shop. It is also brought to you by the Move Forth brand. On my website, you can find tips on freedom, health, and grace, and merchandise for you and your family. My website is www.move-forth.com. I am reading from the Founder's Bible, which is a new American Standard Bible that includes historical documents from the Founder's era. You can get one at www.foundersbible.com. I am following the five-day Bible reading plan, and you can download and print your own copy today at www.5daybiblereading.com. It is done weekly, yet gives room for you to catch up if you need to without feeling like you're falling behind, and that is absolutely the last thing I want you to feel during this experience and this journey of reading the Bible. If this is your first time coming across this podcast, welcome. You can absolutely start here and just finish from here and go back to day one, or you can just go to day one today and let that be your time frame for a year. There is no pressure. You do not have to finish this before December 31st. It's, it's all good and it's all God, my friend. I have never read the whole Bible, much less in a year, so I will not claim to be an expert because I absolutely am not. I just felt that I've been called to do this on my podcast this year, and so here I am. I also want to go ahead and apologize in advance if I mispronounce names, places, landmarks. I know that I absolutely will, (laughs) and so if I keep saying something incorrectly repeatedly, and if it's bothering you, please feel free to email me on my website. I'd, I'd greatly appreciate the feedback so that I can make any corrections. For connection and community, please consider joining the Move Forth with Grace group on my website where we can grow together this year in learning God's lessons. So today is day 15, and we will be reading Genesis 38 through 40 and Mark 15. Let's go ahead and begin. I'm going to have a sip of my coffee really quickly. I'm recording a little earlier today, which is nice. I drink Four Sigmatic. Um, I love that brand. Please check it out. F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. Foursigmatic.com. All right. Let's go ahead and begin. Judah and Tamar, chapter 38. And it came about at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adolamite whose name was Hira. Judah saw where a daughter of a certain Canaanite, whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he named him Ur. Then she conceived again and bore a son and named him Onan. She bore still another son and named him Shelah, and it was at Shazib that she bore him. 
Now Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord took his life. Then Judah said to Onan, Go into your brother's wife and perform your duty as a brother-in-law to her and raise up offspring for your brother. Onan knew that the offspring would not be his, so when he went in to his brother's wife, he wasted his seed on the ground in order not to give offspring to his brother. But what he did was displeasing in the sight of the Lord, so he took his life also. Then Judah said to his daughter-in-law Tamar, Remain a widow in your father's house until my son Shelah grows up. For he thought, I am afraid that he too may die like his brothers. So Tamar went and lived in her father's house. Now after a considerable time, Shua's daughter, the wife of Judah, died. And when the time of mourning was ended, Judah went up to the sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his friend Hira, the Adolamite. It was told to Tamar, Behold, your father-in-law is going to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she removed her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in the gateway of Inaim, which is on the road to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah had grown up and she had not been given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, for she had covered her face. So he turned aside to her, by the road and said, Here now, let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. And she said, What will you give me, that you may come in to me? He said, Therefore, I will send you a young goat from the flock. She said, Moreover, Will you give a pledge until you send it? He said, What pledge shall I give you? And she said, Your seal and your cord and your staff that is in your hand. So he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Then she arose and departed and removed her veil and put on her widow's garments. When Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adolamite, to receive the pledge from the woman's hand, he did not find her. He asked the men of her place, saying, Where is the temple prostitute who was by the road in Inaim? But they said, There has been no temple prostitute here. So he returned to Judah and said, I did not find her, and furthermore, the men of the place said, There has been no temple prostitute here. Then Judah said, Let her keep them, otherwise we will become a laughing stock. After all, I sent this young goat, but you did not find her. Now it was about three months later that Judah was informed, Your daughter-in-law Tamar has played the harlot, and behold, she is also with child by harlotry. Then Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. It was while she was being brought out that she sent to her father-in-law, saying, I am with child by the man to whom these things belong. And she said, Please examine and see whose signet ring and cords and staff are these. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, inasmuch as I did not give her to my son Shelah, and he did not have relations with her again. It came about... At that time she was giving birth that, behold, there were twins in her womb. Moreover, it took place while she was giving birth, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, This one came out first. But it came about, as he drew back his hand, that, behold, his brother came out. Then she said, What a breach you have made for yourself. So he was named Perez. Afterward, his brother came out, 
who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and he was named Zerah. Joseph's success in Egypt, chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the, the, captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer of his house, over his house, and all that he owned he put in his charge. It came about that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. It came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said his ma- to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I, and he is, has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? As he spoke to Joseph, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the household was there inside. She caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me, and he left his garment in her hand and fled and went outside. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came into me to lie with me, and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, The Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Joseph imprisoned. Now when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail, so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Joseph interprets a dream, chapter 40. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. 
So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials, who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We have had a dream, and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, Do not, interp do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches, and it was budding. Its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning to Pharaoh and get me out of, his, of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon." When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favor favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head, and in the top basket there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, From you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat, eat your flesh off you. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And we will now be going over to Mark 15. Okay. Jesus before Pilate, chapter 15. Early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation, and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. Pilate questioned him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, It is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. Then Pilate questioned him again, saying, Do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the 
insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. The crowd went up and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him, whom you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him. But Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them, and after having Jesus scourged, he handed him over to be crucified. Jesus is mocked. The soldiers took him away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. They dressed him up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him, and kneeling and bowing before him. And they had mocked him. They took the purple robe off of him and put his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. They pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross, the crucifixion. Then they brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. They tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh. He did not take it. And they crucified him and divided up his garments among themselves, casting lots for them to decide what each man should take. It was the third hour when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, quote, the king of the Jews, end quote. They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with transgressors. The passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, ha, You who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him were also insulting him. When the sixth hour came, darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they began saying, Behold, he is calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave him a drink, saying, Let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. 
There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they, were, they used to follow him and minister to him, and there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Jesus is buried. When evening had already came because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God, and he gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he was dead by this time, and summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he was already dead. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Joseph bought a linen cloth, took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb, which had been hewn out, out in the rock, and he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he was laid. And that concludes our reading today taking a moment to reflect after that, reading about Jesus and all that he went through. Whew, it's very heavy. And he did that, went through that, endured that, because it was God's will for him to do so, and he never wavered. And he did that for you and for me, too. And to understand that or to wrap our brain around that is just, uh, I mean, it's just incredible. It's incredible to think about it, to receive that salvation. We receive his salvation by believing that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that the only way to God is to believe in him. It is beyond powerful. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for giving us the ability to believe in your son, your precious son, Jesus and to receive the salvation from his death. It is something that takes our breath away, that leaves us speechless, at least it leaves me breathless and speechless, and in complete awe. Thank you. Your son is 
the way and the truth and the life to you and to be able to walk with him is the greatest gift. Thank you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that concludes our recordings for this week. Take your time with it. No stress. No stress. Thank you for being here today and for doing this with me here on this podcast for reading the Bible together. How powerful is that? Or two or three agree, right? It is done. It is done. If you are enjoying this, please share it with someone in your life. Let them decide whether they want to join in in this as well. It's up to us to spread the good news. We've been asked to do so, and that's how we can. I look forward to being with you on the next episode. Take care.